0: Well, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Welcome to Love Joy this morning. As we begin this morning, let's take a look at the back of your bulletin and see what's going on in the life of the church. You'll see there that we have choir tonight. Uh, The prayer labyrinth is on the basketball court. The Stations of the Cross are in the Arbor. The United Methodist Women will meet tomorrow at 7 Uh, The United Methodist Men will have a short meeting right after the service today, so all men are invited to that. Our Monday Thursday service is April 14th, and our Lent study uh, this season is Savior, What the Bible Says About the Cross by McGray DeVega. Uh, We're meeting on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock. Our next one is this Tuesday the 15th. Also, uh, if you are willing to read scriptures, read liturgies, and offer prayers, uh, you, uh, if you'd like to do any of that or participate in any way in the service, please let me know. Um, I know y'all probably get tired of me he- hearing me read everything. Uh, so I want to invite y'all to be a part of the worship service and participate. So if you would like to do that, just let me know and we will get you involved. Uh, are there any other announcements this morning? Well, let us begin with prayer. So let us pray. Life-giving lover of all nations, you promised Abraham and Sarah that their descendants would be more plentiful than all the stars in the night sky. You made a covenant to guide them throughout the ages, just as you guided our ancestors in faith. Guide us here today and teach us your ways. Help us remember the ancient stories, even as we place our trust in you and exalt your name. Bless us as we follow the path that leads us to the cross with Jesus. Amen. Let us sing our song of preparation this morning, number 139, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. seated we now take a moment just to lift up our joys and our concerns so that we can pray with and for one another so what joys and concerns do we have to lift up this morning the sun is shining amen
1: Got on that. And mother's in the hospital. Everyone, I guess, has heard that she broke her leg, or her leg broke and she went down. But uh, the report I got from Mike this morning is she had a good night. She ate breakfast. They're going to sit her up, and she gets an evaluation tomorrow on her therapy. What the do for therapy? Moses Calm.
0: Moses Calm. Others. Fred is home. He had his surgery Friday on his rotator cuff, so he is home recovering. Seeing no others this morning, let us take our prayers to the Lord, so let us pray. Gracious God, as we have come to this place this day, we come with so much on our hearts and our minds. But Lord, we come to listen. We come to be fed. We come to feel the presence. We come to be among our brothers and our sisters. So Lord, this morning as we have come together, we have all these names that are on our list and the names that are on our hearts. We praise God for the healing that has come through you and those who take care of our loved ones. We praise God for the names that we can take off this list, Lord. We praise God for the blessings. We praise God for the beautiful sunshine. Lord, as we come, we pray for all those who need healing. We pray for those who need peace, for those who are hurting, for those who are grieving. And Lord, this morning we bring those things to you. We bring our prayers to you knowing that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the one that can change anything and everything. So, Lord, we bring these things in Jesus' name knowing that your will will be done in each and every situation. So Lord, as we come this day, we also pray the prayer that Jesus taught the generations to pray, the prayer that the disciples asked teach us how to pray. So we pray that with the saints and the sinners and with the Multitudes of those who have said it over the generations, saying, Our Father,
1: who art in heaven, heaven. hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, come. thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and And forgive us our
0: trespasses, as we we forgive forgive those who trespass trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For is the kingdom of power. Get his water bottle, too. <laughs> <laughs> he come running back up. Where's my water? Where's my water?
1: Uh.
0: What a blessing it is to have a little one that actually runs around. I think it's great. Parents, it's okay. It's, I, I know, it's, it's, but it's good. It's good to see him running around. We're gonna continue this morning with our Psalter reading Psalm 27, found on 785 in your hymnal. Psalm 27. On seven, no, seven fifty-eight, sorry, not seven eighty-five. My numbers are looking backwards this morning. Dislex yes right, that's right. 758, Psalm 27. Let us read this together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes shall stumble and fall. against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that behold beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in the Lord's temple. The Lord will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble, will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and will set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies, round about me. And I will offer sacrifices in the Lord's tent with shouts of joys. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart said, seek the Lord's face. Your face, O Lord, I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, for you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother should forsake me, the Lord would take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to thy will. For false witness have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. As we continue this morning, we are grateful, as always, for those offerings that have been given Uh, in response to the gifts that God has given us. So let me offer this short prayer this morning over those gifts. Let us pray. Holy One, our light and our salvation, the stronghold of our lives, accept these gifts as a token of our commitment to walk in your ways. Amen. This morning, our Old Testament lesson comes from Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 12, and then 17 through 18. This is God's covenant with Abram. After these events, the Lord's word came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your protector. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you possibly give me since I still have no children? The head of my household is Eliezer and a man from Damascus. He continued, since you haven't given me any children, the head of the household will be my heir. The Lord's word came immediately to him. This man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be your very own biological child. Then he brought Abram outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars if you think you can count them. He continued, This is how many children you will have. Abram trusted the Lord, and the Lord recognized Abram's high moral character. He said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession." But Abram said, Lord God, how do I know that I will actually possess it? He said, bring me a three-year-old female calf and three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a dove, and a young pigeon. He took all of these animals, split them in half, and laid the halves facing each other. But he didn't split the birds. When vultures swooped down on the carcasses, Abram waved them off. After the sun set, Abram slept deeply. A terrifying and deep darkness settled over him. After the sun had set and darkness had deepened a smoking vessel with a fiery flame passed between the split open animals, that day the Lord cut a covenant with Abram. To your descendants I give this land, from Egypt's river to the great Euphrates. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Hear now the gospel according to Luke. At that time, some Pharisees approached Jesus and said, Go, get away from here before, because Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go tell that fox, look, I'm throwing out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will complete my work. However, it's necessary for me to travel today, tomorrow, and the next day because it's impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you. How often I have wanted to gather your people just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you didn't want that. Look, your house is abandoned. I tell you, you won't see me until the time comes when you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the Lord's name. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as we have gathered this morning and sung your praises and heard your scriptures read, as we continue this morning, Lord, may the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. <laughs> Amen. Before I do get started, the message text is actually verse chapter 3, not chapter 2. Again, my finger hit the wrong button as I was typing that. So we're not reading, you know, three chapters. We're only reading three. Philippians 3.17. So it's 3.17 through 4.1. So if you want to be ready for that, we'll read that in just one second. So we are at the beginning of the season of Lent. This is only the second Sunday of Lent. And this is a time of preparation, a time of possibly giving something up maybe a time of taking up something, and a time of renewal and reflection. And we come every year to this season with a year's worth of hardships and joys, moments of grief and anger, moments of love and celebration. We also come with expectations when we come to this season. We come seeking things, we come longing maybe for answers, So, like I said last week, during the season of Lent, we're going to take a journey through Paul's letters. And we're going to, this is a series called Character and Calling. And we're going to explore and rediscover or discover the essentials of Christian character. Now, last week we began with Paul's letter to the believers in Rome. Per McGray de Vega, Romans is a reminder to us that before we go any further on this journey to the cross, before we look at what a Christian does, we must remember what a Christian believes. So the first character that we talked about was belief. But today we are going to hear from Paul's letter to. All those in Philippi who are God's people in Christ Jesus, along with your supervisors, which would be like bishops, and servants, which are like deacons. And we're going to hear how Paul tells them to be imitators of him. And watch those who live in this way. You can use them as models. So let us hear now Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 17, through chapter 4, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me and watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. As I have told you many times and now say with deep sadness, many people live as enemies of the cross. Their lives end with destruction. Their God is their stomach, and they take pride in their disgrace because their thoughts focus on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our humble bodies so that they are like His glorious body by the power that also makes him able to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and miss, who are my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. Again, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, McGray to Vegas says... We might think that Paul's command to the Philippian church to imitate him was maybe arrogant and presumptuous. That he was attempting to maybe set himself on some kind of idolized pedestal. But Paul was not telling his disciples to follow him, but directing people to follow Jesus in the same way he was seeking to follow Jesus. And Avaeh continues to say, In Paul's mind, to imitate him was to imitate Christ. Not in a way that equated Paul and Christ, but to remind disciples of this important truth. To be a follower of Jesus means to follow the examples of others and to be an example for others. Now we all know the story of Paul. Paul was once named Saul. And he had a moment with the resurrected Lord on the road to Damascus. And his life was changed. Saul was the persecutor for those who followed Jesus. He was the main one who petitioned the church, the temple, the synagogues, And got a letter from them saying, I have the right to arrest, detain, and bring before up on charges anyone who says, I believe in Jesus. Yet, yet on that road to Damascus, after Paul had a moment with the resurrected Jesus, Saul became Paul. And Paul became the biggest threat to anyone who didn't believe. He held his title as follower of Christ close to his heart as he experienced the power of Christ. So Paul has a good reason to say imitate Imitate me and others who follow Christ. And imitation is intertwined everywhere within the scriptures. If we think through the scripture text, the twelve that were called by Jesus were called to imitate Jesus. They answered the call and followed and learned from the example of Jesus. Ralph Wood says as inheritors of ancient notions about learning and thus about discipleship, both Jesus and the Apostle know that true moral and spiritual formation depends on tutelage under a master. Learning to follow the habits and practices of one who have have become proficient in a particular trade or skill. Wood goes on to say that this is the precise meaning of the word disciple, a learner, or a pupil. We would think this more in the terms of an apprenticeship. How do you learn to do certain things? Well, some of the best cabinet makers in the world learned from someone that was also one of the best cabinet makers in the world. Now, there are people out there that are absolute prodigies and that can do beautiful and wonderful things. But usually you learn from someone else. You have to do this to become an electrician, to be a licensed plumber or electrician. You have to learn from somebody that's already been through the process so that you learn all the ins and the outs. That's what it is to imitate. That's what it is to be... A disciple. So what we're kind of talking about today is discipline. Discipline to follow. Discipline through imitation first involves a relationship between the disciple and the person doing the discipling, McGray says. Now we all have learned from someone by imitating them. In some way, shape, or form, we've all imitated somebody doing something. And what we have learned could have been a very good thing that we learned, or it could have been something that was not very good at all, that we actually had to unlearn. And DeVegas says, Who are the people in your life whom you would regard as spiritual mentors? Think about that for a minute. Who are the people in your life whom you would regard as spiritual mentors? It could be preachers. It could be authors of books that you have read. It could be Sunday school teachers. It could be your school teachers. It could even be maybe your boss or your friends. We could stand up here and name different things for hours. So as we... Think of those people De Vega asks us to think about. let's think about also these two questions or these three questions that De Vega also asks of them. Of these spiritual mentors, what gives them the credibility to disciple you and the authenticity for you to believe them? What nurtures the trust that you have in them? What motivates you to? to heed their guidance and their example. Why do we listen to certain people and not to others? Why do we hold one's opinion over someone else's? Usually it's because we have a relationship with them in some way, shape, or form. So Paul... Paul is calling for imitation of himself as he imitates Christ. Now, if we follow this through the years, through the practices that we have today, that have been passed down through others, they all were learned from someone else. And with that, things have changed over time. Some of it was a change for good, some of it has been a change for worse. But as Christians, as Christians, we listen to those who came before. We listen to the prophets and the apostles. We read the letters of Paul. We listen to John and Charles Wesley and their interpretations, because we are Methodist. We've, they have also listened to Augustine of Hippo, of Hippo, Pope Gregory I, Anathesis of Alexandria, Ignatius of Antioch, just to name a few of those who have theological opinions on belief and were some of the what we call the founding fathers of Christianity. Thinkers. Thinkers that I'm like, I, they, they must be getting paid a lot because that's all they ever did as much as they wrote. Some of it is hard to read. Some of it is very easy to read. And we may disagree with some of these that we have read, and we may agree with others. And in some cases, we have taken the best from several of these different people and combined those things into what we have. But the one thing we have to remember about all of these people is that they all are human. They are all just like us. They all were within the scale of humanity of those who weren't perfect. They all have had human tendencies. They all were making judgments based on the time in which they lived. So we have to be careful in how we imitate those who follow Jesus. Mark Hopper says, If Christian existence is based upon the life of Christ, then we are to have a mindset of humility just as he did. Our pattern to emulate this, our pattern to emulate is this. Jesus did not regard his equality with God as something to be hoarded and clung to. Jesus poured himself into the form of a servant. Sacrificial love for others becomes the gold standard of Christian conduct. Now when we think about discipline and what it requires of us. And what it required of those that we see as our spiritual mentors. What do we think of? You see, those that we emulate have learned and emulated from their mentors, yet now as a mentor, they must be focused on Christ. Paul is saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ and others who do the same. He didn't say, imitate me, Paul, as I imitate Peter and James and John, and then as the, as." I, as they imitate Christ, it's a imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. So he's learned from the other disciples, the other followers of Christ. But he's not saying that we should follow those that he imitated before he imitated Christ. He's saying, I am doing my best to imitate Christ, so imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And as we imitate and emulate Christ, we become mentors ourselves. And that's the second part of discipline. First, we look to those who we see as spiritual mentors. And then we become the spiritual mentors. We are asked to disciple others. That's what it says on the front of our bulletins. To go out and make disciples. And to be able to make disciples, we have to be mentors. Vega says it is not enough for you to mature in your faith if you do not in turn lead others in their discipleship. To be blessed without being a blessing for others is the difference between being a vessel and a funnel. We are not intended to be mere recipients of God's grace, we are called to be dispensaries of God's grace. So that others can experience God's love through us. So that others can imitate us. And that can be frightening. Do you want somebody to imitate you, to emulate you? Do you feel that you're Worthy of being imitate, emulated and imitated. When you look back at how you may have acted in certain situations, does it necessarily look like Christ and you want people to act the same way? Do you really want others to emulate you? What have you done? What have I done that shows others the grace? And the love of God. Jesus said we are going to do greater things than he. And what Jesus did was amazing. And he said we're going to do greater things. So we look around the world today at the people. At those who call themselves followers of Christ, those who call themselves Christians. And as we look through today and through history, we can see that there are those who say, I am a follower that oppress and commit injustices against all manners of groups of people because of their social status, because of their skin color, their ethnicity, their sex, sexual orientation, how they dress, where they live, even because they fear them. They use the power and the influence that they have accumulated to cause suffering. And there are many who emulate these very people. But that is not what Christ did. This does not line up with Christ. They are doing the exact opposite because Jesus did not care about any of these things. He showed compassion and love towards all people. Even those who persecuted him and nailed him to the cross. That is discipline. Jesus didn't care. Who you were or what you did, where you were at on the social ladder, whether or not you liked him, Jesus still showed compassion and grace and love. Hopper says our hope for an eternal future with him is grounded in the call to be like him now in servanthood to others. So, we must have discipline in emulating Christ, learning from those we trust and have relationships with, and being someone whom others learn from. And this may seem a daunting task. But Casey Thompson reminds us of something that those at Philippi, those who first heard this letter of Paul, could not have seen for another generation. That's the gospel of Mark. And in Mark 8, 34, Jesus says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Which, Casey says, is not simply a call to self-denial but a call to imitation, day in and day out. She continues by saying, in Lent, we travel the wilderness with Jesus and pick up the cross on which Jesus will be crucified. And then in Easter, we celebrate that death is not the final word, but that Christ has the power to make all things subject to himself that he is in fact a savior for when our imitation fails onward to perfection john wesley preached many sermons about that he said it is possible that you may Gain perfection in this life, but most likely it will not be until the next. But he said we must strive for perfection. That we must follow and imitate Jesus. We must take up our cross on a daily basis and strive for perfection. But it requires discipline first we we have to know what and how we believe and then we have to have discipline in how we go out and show our belief we can't be just vessels we have to pour that grace that we receive back out to others so during this Lenten season, as we go through this character and this call, I invite you to evaluate whom you have emulated or you currently emulating, who you're imitating, who are your spiritual mentors. And then I ask that you offer the grace and the love of our Savior Jesus as the example of discipline. And discipling. For we're called to go out and make disciples. And we're told that we will do greater things. But in order to do those things, we must have discipline. Discipline in following Christ. Discipline in listening to who our spiritual mentors are Discipline in building and keeping relationships. Imitation is often the best part of flattery, right? Is that how that saying goes? I can't remember off the top of my head. But Jesus has called us to imitate and to emulate his love, his grace, his mercy, His compassion. So let's go out and share with our neighbors the love and the grace that come from God that flows through us and shows them that they are children of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our song of invitation is number 295. In the cross of Christ I glory. Let us stand and sing. We depart this place receive this benediction brothers and sisters stand firm in Christ trust God's promise in all things and take shelter in the spirits loving arms in times of trouble go in peace to love and serve the world and may the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house Amen. Thank you.